Josh Portis. I'm Rob Gordon. I'm Rob Jones. And today we have a very special guest in the building today. Uh, one of one of our own, Terp own, uh, Tory Smith came in the building to come in and support and he wanted to tune in. Um, Tory, welcome to the show, man. Hey, appreciate y'all having me, man. Board, we call this the boardroom, as we say. Call this the boardroom. But um, before I wanted to get started, man, uh, when I first met Tory, um, you know, obviously we was at the University of Maryland. Take us back, though. Um, Tell us a story. <laughs> and and the thing about it is with Tory, um, you know, I think I was what, a sophomore at the time and he came in as a freshman and he was just so hungry to learn. I mean, the guy was just so hungry to learn. I knew he was going to be great. I saw it in his eyes right then and there. And he just wanted to know more. Don't you, you know, you just want to get somebody just see in their eyes. They just want to know more, want to learn more, want to grow more. And that's what Tory was. And he just likes to soak in a lot of information once again, better today. And it still doesn't stop to today. I mean, the guy's doing a lot of different things in the communities, uh, especially in the Baltimore area. Um, he's just a you know, remarkable person to be around, number one. And number two, he's just a great person in general. So, Tori, I just wanted to mention that to you. And then, um, um, but this episode, we're talking about uh, family first. And we all know how uh, family is important. Um, so, before I get into it, Rob, you got anything you want to say? I want to say thank you for coming to sit down at the boardroom, bro. Appreciate the invite, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, uh, we claim, same class, class of 2007. We were talking about some things offline. I want to bring those topics to the forefront here because it was definitely some financial literacy things in there that we want to talk about. But first of all, thank you for coming through. I know you got so. kids and a family. So <laughs> thank you for taking it away from your family. For this, for this episode of Family First. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate what y'all doing, man. Some yeah. good stuff going on. Thanks appreciate you, Tori. Appreciate you. Got you, Rob? Nah, I just want to thank you for coming through, bro. Colonial Beach on. I did a little bit of research on you. I got a couple friends who know you personally. You know, so it's good to have you, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. Let's get to Let's it. Get Let's get into it. it. Let's get into um, it. So we're talking about Family First. Um, we're going to pretty much go around the room and obviously just describe, you know, family culture. Uh, pretty much everybody in general. Uh, I know last episode we talked about culture raise and how everybody just pretty much grew up in a different culture, right? Everybody has a, a different upbringing, um, everybody in different states. Um, but my family, I didn't have my father around. Um, my mother was pretty much that person, my rock. And the funny thing is, every time I talk to Tori, what you say, Tori? Hey, how your mama doing? How your mama, how your mama doing? <laughs> how your mama doing, right? Oh, dude. It's just, it's just, it's just you know, and she, she uh, Tori knows about uh, Patricia, you know, P squared, as they call her, um, but she was, you know, my everything. Uh, my mom was the you know, mom and dad. Obviously, a woman can't uh, teach a man how to, be a, how to be a man, but you know, she was that figure that that rock that I, I leaned on, and um, you know, she was everything. That's all I had. Um, right now, she's um, still out in Seattle, um, you know, doing some business out there. Uh, she's an interior designer, 
but she, we always put the family first and how we can help family. Blood is, you know, all we have majority of the time. Um, so I don't have any brothers or sisters, but um, I do have my mother and uh, my folks are um, my grandma and my cousins and aunties and uncles. Believe it or not, everybody, um, they're from Mobile, Alabama. Now, down south, you know, it's just a country route. So when I go around and, and I go to like different stores and I have a southern slang going on, they be like, you know, like you, you from Cali, but you have this different type of twang to you. You know, you have this southern draw a little bit sometimes when you talk and you have this, you know, this west coast, this west coast draw when you talk sometimes. So, you know, my roots, my deep roots is, you know, really from the south mobile, Alabama. But, you know, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. So it's kind of a different mix when you you have those different type of cultures mixing around you see what i'm saying tori and um it was you know something that i you know embraced um so that was a little bit about my family um so what about you man i grew up in like you said mentioned colonial beach virginia a little small town um and i was raised by my mother as well uh, you know my mother very well um, but i was also raised by my grandmother i'm the oldest of seven we deep in the smith household and you know, coming up, things weren't always easy. So that's why it kind of really made me the man I am today. I heard you mention, uh, you know, your, a woman can't really turn you to a man. But I swear, my mother is damn near as close as you can get to helping me uh, be a man. You know, and I think my coach has kind of helped to fill in that gap. Uh, but, you know, things were tough for us. My mother would be in and out of jail. Uh, she was in a very abusive marriage at one point. And, you know, we moved, we were doing the math the other day. I was talking to my mom probably like 16 times or so uh, before I was, no, 20 times before I was 16, we moved different places. Uh, so it was pretty interesting to just see the journey, uh, to see how far she has come. You know, now she's successful doing real estate, uh, helping mentor other young women who were in her situation. And uh, she's been a role model for a lot of other people now. So life's crazy. And I'm thankful that we can, you know, look back on that now. And I use everything from my childhood and all my decisions that I've made were so that my kids didn't have to experience the same things that I had to deal with, the same traumatic experiences and the abuse or whatever it may have been. So uh, family is everything to me. You know, you know, piggyback off what he said about his mother, you know, his, 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 his you know, when I was at Maryland, I, I believe that his mother was like my second mom. Cause my mom was so far away and like she used to what's up josh you know she used to come up to me and be like well you run up on me like like i was one of her own and i remember to like it was like it was yesterday and uh you know she's doing well now um she always has a great spirit about her and that's one thing that I, I remember about your mom she she had a great spirit about her tour she really did and uh she, she's carrying that to the day um so um i want to really pretty much get into like you know, your dynamic of your family, right? Um, obviously you do a, a lot for your family, man. You're like, you're, you're the epitome of a family, man. And, um, you know, a lot of people respect you. Um, uh, people tell me all the time, you talk to Tori still, you talk to Tori still. Um, you're very highly respected, man. You really are. And, um, you know, just dive in a little bit about, you know, your everyday life with your family, with your kids and tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. You know, I'm married, been married, uh, seven years now. Always do. I always use my uh, my firstborn as a landmark because we got married in about nine months or so later. Mm -hmm. uh, he, was <laughs> he was there. So it's exactly how they say it happens. It worked on our end. Um, but, you know, I got uh, I have two, um, three kids, two boys, uh, six, four. And my daughter's one. Um, 
um, she was a surprise at the end. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But that's it for the Smith household. Is it it? Y'all, Is it it? The you shop, have a drunken the, night, the, the shop is shut down. <laughs> it ain't <Okay>. happening. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, man, my, you know, they're everything to me. I feel like, you know, when I sit back and I talk and I think about my family, how it is right now, it's crazy. You know, and sometimes I kind of get emotional thinking about it because, like, they're everything that I prayed for and hoped for that I didn't see. Right. right? You have, You create this picture in your mind. Of like, man, I want, you don't know what your wife is going to look like. You don't know what your kids are going to look like. But I knew I wanted stability and I wanted this family. I wanted to be married first, then have kids. Because I feel like a lot of those issues were the cause of, you know, the problems that I had. You know, the relationship with my father that didn't exist much until I was older. So uh, I wanted to make sure that I was doing things to break the, that cycle in my family. And it worked. So when I look at them, I'm like, man, this is, you know, I'm really seeing what I prayed for and, you know, I'm for sure thankful for it each and every day. That's lit. So, yeah, how, how becoming a father impacted your life? Like, how, what changes did you have to make? You know what it's been? I tell people all the time, I feel like I knew everything about being a father except for actually working. Uh, I was the oldest of seven. You know, my mom be working two jobs. I had the kids. I had to cook, clean, make sure they were straight, give them baths, put them on a school bus, help with their homework. You know, do the whole nine. So I basically was a parent as a child. Um, and when I actually had my own, you realize like you can't give them to anyone. <laughs> you know, like I'm responsible for them. So I for sure carried a different type of weight and type of pride. And my kids, honestly, they changed me the most in terms of helping me realize so many issues that I had within myself. Mm. Um, yeah, do that too. you know, uh, whether it's insecurities or, how I struggle with emotions and trying to express love, you know, that's something that was even weird for me with women. I, I never mm. really like telling somebody I love you was like the most uncomfortable mm. thing in the world for me. Mm. And so my well, my wife helped bring me out of that, but my kids, it was natural. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that they weren't the same like me as a child, you know, because the word I love you had no meaning to me because right. I only heard it when things were going bad and it was like a makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, you know, yeah, we had, a, we, yeah, like we had a shelter or we got to move over here. I'm talking to my mom behind bars and she's like, I love you. I'm like, well, you when, love when, me then. Why, what are these, these, these actions? Like, why do you keep, why do you keep leaving me? Right. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I associated, I associated real early that, you know, love is, is the phrase means nothing without action. And so I realized I built up all these walls and it impacted the way I was with other people. You know, even my own family, I just never said it. My actions showed you I loved you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of opened me up more. I'm comfortable telling all my family members I love them. And I make sure of that because I know that tomorrow isn't promised. But right. really, until I had kids, you know, that wasn't something I was doing. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about the life in the NFL. So we know that you're retired now. Congratulations on that. Yeah, appreciate Congratulations that. on moving past that. So tell us a little bit about your career and your thoughts on career and family as it relates to your career. Yeah, you know, when my career is the biggest, one of the biggest blessings in my life, man. A lot of people don't know this, but I mean, I've talked about it a couple of times, but I left College Park early because my mother was incarcerated. Wow. Um, she was incarcerated from February to like almost camp. And her house was about to get foreclosed on. Mm. And in August around that time, I don't know how, I don't even know why they believe me. I said, if y'all can wait till New Year's, I'm going to have the money. <laughs> Like, that worked. And I was, and they were like, all right, you have until New Year's right. to run us our money. Right, right. Or y'all got to get out of this house. And 
I ended up playing well. You know, I was on, on pace to graduate, which I did, which was my number one goal anyways, right. to graduate from college because I knew football wasn't going to last forever. Okay. And I was able to, you know, make sure my family was safe and uh, had a place to stay. So right. for me, from the beginning, you know, it's always been about helping my mother. You know, she's been through so much. Uh, a lot of decisions she made put her in some tough situations. Um, but there's times where, you know, now that I'm older, I realize the environment that she was in, the crowd that she was in, uh, the man that she was in a relationship with at one point. I realized now as an adult how much influence men have in their words and their actions. I know that from my, being myself. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so I've learned so much about that and everything in the league was to protect them. Mm-hmm. And my decisions aligned with trying to protect my family as well. That didn't exist at the time. Right. I, I was I didn't get engaged until I guess I did get engaged my first year or my no, I got engaged my second year in the league. Um, and I was married that next season, but I had to start making it's just from okay, I want to make sure my mom is straight, my younger siblings are straight to now I have to make sure that my wife is straight and that my kids mm-hmm. that don't exist are straight. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn in financial literacy in a different way. I had always been a kid that was able to sacrifice because I was the oldest. Like I was comfortable not having the newest shoes, not having the coolest clothes, because I knew that if I could go without it, you know, my mom would have more to do for my siblings. So what step did you take while you were in the league to make sure that your family was financially secure? Oh, yeah. By the time I left, you know, I was uh, by my fourth year or after my fourth year, I was able to purchase my mom's home. Wow. Um, So, you know, my mom doesn't do that. She doesn't have any bills. You know, I've been able to do very well in the league to provide for her financially. Uh, but even with my own family, you know, make sure that they're secure, make sure that they're comfortable uh, long term. And that's a big blessing. That wasn't, you know, to me, I think we talk about success. I have my definition of success doesn't involve money. Right. Um, well, it's stability. OK, stability. All going up. I knew what it was like to live all over the place. Right. <laughs> didn't know where you were going to eat that night. Not knowing where you're going to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so stability to me. Oprah is just as capable of that as the janitor that's in this building that we're in right now, you know, and to me, I was able to achieve that. You know, everything else was just extra. Making sure that my mom was all the way straight, that was just extra. Uh, But to be able to know where I'm going to sleep every night, know that I'm going to have a meal to eat, you know, that's what means the most to me. Wow. I mean, just to piggyback off what you said, I mean, you just heard it. I mean, materialistic things, I mean, it it don't matter. And and I'm the same way. Like, it's 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 something that I'm glad I'm thankful and blessed each and every day when I wake up that I have a place to stay, food to eat and have an income, you know, having some type of income coming in. But I don't have to be the richest guy in the world. I don't have to be, you know, the most famous guy in the world. That doesn't mean nothing to me. Your heart, uh, the morals that you stand for is more important than that. And that's, that's just being just real with yourself and checking yourself in the mirror every single day. Well, one thing I can say, um, being a father of one, I don't got three. But I got one. Uh, being a father of one, man, it, it's changed my perspective on just materialism. I mean, for when I was 24, 25, you couldn't tell me. I wanted the fastest car. You know what I mean? I wanted the bag. I was going to do anything to get it. You know what I mean? Like, so little dope. You know, whatever it, whatever it took. But when I got my son, it reeled me in, man. It was just like, this is what's important. This is what it means. Like, making sure that he has the future that you didn't have or making sure that he has the things that you didn't have and secure a future for him so that he doesn't have to do any of the things that you did to get to where you are. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was and where the importance lies for me in, in regards to kids. Um, Josh, you wouldn't notice yet. You'll get there. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. But, but what I'm saying is kids give you that, 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 that push 
to kind of mellow everything out. You and your priorities mean? change. You, yeah. know, you realize Shifts. that you're responsible for this individual's livelihood. And one thing that I try to talk to my friends and family members about that may do some things to get to some money yeah. that in their heart, they're like, man, I'm providing for my child. I try to remind them that the best thing that you can do for your child is it's to simply free, be there. Be there. If you're dead though. or in jail, free, you're not helping them. Man. Right. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, I think when you realize and you've seen it for me, I didn't want to repeat the cycle. Like yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in like, man, we can learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. And that's the same with financial literacy. I've seen right. players making decisions, going to the club, popping bottles, Ooh. doing all of these things, blowing money. We did it. Like, why do I have to? Why do I have to learn? You know what I mean? For myself, when I'm seeing it happen, and it's the same with kids. If I know that experience of feeling like you're alone or that support system isn't there, why would I repeat that cycle? And it's not that simple. I'm saying it like it's simple. But it's, not. it's not because it's a a, a mental issue. Yeah. Just as much because it's like you don't know what you don't know. And it's a conscious effort each and every day to change the man that you are. Right. So, yeah, Tori, uh, you say you got a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you're instilling in them at an early age? I saw something about you beating up on your, your son. <laughs> oh, Maddie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll blow him out right now. <laughs> blow the doors I, off. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, what? Beat the no, brakes out of him. I don't want to score no, point. No brakes. <laughs> no, no. Like, this world doesn't let up on you. That's right. You know, I got to let a black dad, yeah. dog. You, you know, you. people like, oh, man, I let my son. No. So Because hey. my son will talk noise, too. So that don't help. Oh, yeah. Oh, that don't help. Oh, yeah, dad. I want my dad like, nah, bro, you going to earn this. Because there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time where he's going to whoop me and I can't control it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get these wins while I can. Sure. You but seriously get though, man, when you think about it, from my perspective, my kids are raised in a very privileged environment okay. that I wasn't raised in. So I don't know how to parent from this place. Like it's different. So how do I teach them how to struggle? Uh, what struggle. the struggle feels What's the struggle? like? Yeah. How do I teach them to view everyone like themselves mm. without them actually being in a situation where you're looking around and everyone that Fair you're enough. living around yeah. is in the same situation. Yeah, right. Like it, it's different for me. And, and honestly, that's a, that's my biggest challenge as a parent. Balance. Yeah. Like I'm like, I want to make sure that he's humble. You know, when I'm in a community, perfect example, the other day we were feeding, uh, unloading tro- uh, trucks with this group called we are us in Baltimore. Uh, and they're feeding the families right in the middle of the trap in zone 15 in, in, in oh, Boston. Yeah, Boston. My two kids are with me, my boys, mm-hmm. helping, grabbing food, handing it to people. Mm-hmm. And they understand at four and six years old that everyone doesn't have food. So when they talk about it, like, man, there's times where you you know what your grandma had to do to make sure that we have food? Mm-hmm. I'm like, y'all got to understand that it's not that simple. So you got to be grateful. And I don't want them to view people as a pity case. Right. But I want them to understand if you're in a position you need to help other people and that you aren't any better than them. So That's I feel powerful. like by exposing them to that early, I'm helping them because the reality of it is there are situations like that, but all of our family members aren't. Right. So I don't want them to be shocked when they're visiting a family member's house and it doesn't look the same right. because right. I treat everyone the same regardless. I don't care if they're the richest person or the poorest person. I want them to have that same type of mentality. Yeah, that's real. To, 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 to piggyback off you know what Rob said to, not to change the subject or anything like, but just to transition a little bit over to the, you know, the parenting side and, you know, not me having kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> not me having kids. I, I, don't, I don't have kids, Look, right? You don't Obviously. want that right now. No, nah, I don't. No, I don't want none no. right now. But Trust. the time will come. Don't. Trust but me. <laughs> let me. Let me ask you this, right? I was actually having a conversation earlier 
uh, with one of my, my buddies of mine out in the West Coast. And we was talking about, like, he has kids, right? He has three kids. And I was like, you know, the money that you guys spend on diapers. Man. Like. Add up, bro. They add up, right? Like, man. and the, and the thing about it is, like, like how how is that? Like, the, for you guys that have kids, like the diaper changing, like the the food feeding, like I'm the parenting, like at, when they're young, like how how's that experience, and what does that like change about you guys? How you look at the future and like I'm gonna take raising first. your kids. So you could be cheap and go get the rentable diapers. They got those. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can get, they got those. They got but what, the, bro? But, they got the rest of the diapers. Bro, you got the old diaper. Yeah, yeah. Boom. And you do like this and rest the joint out and put the joint back on your baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I tried them. I tried them. Because diaper was tearing me out the frame. Diapers is like eh, $25-ish, dollars, depending on if you get the high brand. Yeah, you know what I mean? The size and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, diapers is that's expensive, bro. They say it's about $300 a month. Yeah. No question. Kids add up, bro. Add up, bro. And and I don't know if that's just one or two or three. Oh, no. He, he shit. My bro, son shit three times a day. Five, yeah. <laughs> you change that diaper five plus yeah, times yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, So you Easy. might as back. Easily. If, Easily. I see, if I see that color change once, I'm getting it off my child. Yeah. Off the brain. Because, and that's Because you, you don't want the rash. You don't want the rash on the butt. Yeah, man. That's all a part of financial literacy. When you talk about having a kid responsibilities, we all like to talk about the fun that goes into having a child. Oh, yeah. At the end. But when you have it. Man. It's a game changer, man. Diapers, food, food, man. I t- I'm talking about when, when when we had my son. My son's mom, she was not with the canned food and buying food. Man, she made my son's mm-hmm. food from scratch, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about she she in the kitchen. I'm like, what you in there doing? She like, I gotta make his food. I'm like, okay, like why we can't just feed him the canned food? You know, she wasn't wasn't going for all organic diets and all of that stuff because that helps the development of the child. You know what I mean? From the brain and stuff like that. They putting, you know, all kinds of chemicals in the food. You don't know what your what your kid eating, dog. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't want that. Like you want them to have the best food. Like right. you gonna eat a steak, right? You're gonna go to a restaurant, you're gonna eat a steak. You're gonna eat the best steak or some some type of vegetables or whatever the case may be, but then you're gonna feed your kid basically the McDonald's version of baby mm-hmm. food. Like, <laughs> nah, you ain't gonna do that, man. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So you gotta make a responsible decision when you when you start having kids. Right. You know? So like Tori, right? You've you've had a pretty pretty great career. I mean, you're a Super Bowl champion, two times Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion. You know, eight year pro. Everybody, two times Super Bowl champion, right? Baltimore Ravens, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, former eight year pro, uh, one of the best deep threat deep threats in the game uh, in our generation, man. What, 16 yards a catch? 17 yards a catch? Something like that? So I might have died a little bit. 16.8. 16.8. 16.8. 16.8. I mean, but, but what I'm getting to is this. You know, to have that successful, successful career, you talk about your wife, you know, how she's been supportive um, with you during that, you know, run that you had in, in the league. And talk about, like, you know, the challenges and talk about some of the um, majority of the wins that you guys had together. Hey, man, my wife, when it comes to this game, was everything. My peace of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I struggle. Oh, talk about that. I brother. struggle, man, with balancing my mm-hmm. family and money. Um, the expectations that come with that. Yeah. Uh, being drafted by what's considered your home team, playing for Maryland, going to Baltimore, mm-hmm. dealing with that pressure. Everyone expecting me to be the same guy from day one. Mm-hmm. Coming in the lockout, I only had 30 days to be ready. Right. You know, it's a lot of different challenges that come with that. The highs and lows of playing the game, and she was there the whole way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that type of balance was huge. Yeah. And she exposed me to so many different things in, in terms of support. Right. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, we were talking off air, like I never really cared about people coming to my games. But it was because I used to tell people to come to my games all the time. And, and I would look come. back 
and nobody would come, right? Yeah. And so I stopped looking back into the crowd. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I mean, my wife, she coming to games like everybody's waving at their girlfriend and you just sitting there looking straight forward. And I'm like, man, I'm focused on the game. I don't have any time to be worried about y'all. But then I realized I wasn't just focused on the game. Like I, I stopped looking back for a reason. So she helped me realize something about myself right. that I didn't have. And then I realized like, man, when I looked and knew they were there, it did mean more. Mm-hmm. And it's a yeah. time that, you know, like I know my kids now just try to get and change that cycle. My mm-hmm. kids now, <laughs> If I ain't dead, they, he does, he loses mind. Right. Right. Like, what about that? The norm for him is for both of us to be there. Mm-hmm. And that lets me know I take a lot of pride in that because, like, man, that experience is completely different than mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can speak on speak to that, man. My dad was a coach for a little while. So in my career. Then when I kind of went to high school, he was still kind of coaching like little league. And he wasn't at no games. I'm talking about performance <laughs> until I figured it out. We got three minutes. Uh, until until I figured it out. Um, and once I figured it out and, and could play through it, then I was all right. But you look for that parent to be there. Ooh, man. And, you, and do. you don't realize, you don't, like a lot of people don't realize it, right? And when you're, you're, when you have that support system, man, it's such a blessing. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, that was my coaches or my other friends, moms, and dads. Anybody. It means a lot, but it's different when it's somebody that you really want to be there. Right. It's different, man. Well, you made a play, you like... Yeah, you look at yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah, like, it's nobody <laughs> celebrate right. with. Like, right. oh, man. You got to tell them about <laughs> it. Like, you, uh, it's not, it doesn't hit the same as when no. you could talk about it together or they bragging about something that you did. Right. It means a lot when you're younger. Say less. Say less. <laughs> well, what's up, Rock? Man, I'm over here just, just talking, man. I mean, just thinking. Um, quick question though, Torres. Like, who are some of the like brothers that you kind of adopted into your family mm. that you played with? Uh, you know, just over a period of time. Yeah, say Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden. Great wide mm-hmm. receiver. Um, you know, those are two of like my like male role models when we talk about being in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, two good men. Who your favorite uh, yeah, wide receiver of all time? Randy Moss. Yeah? Hands down. Moss? Randy Moss, yeah. Who you patting your career after? you talk about us shooting the basket, how Kobe, like, you can't. You Moss, 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 like, Moss. Yeah, yeah, we ain't yeah, say nobody yeah. else. League for is sure. Old, so, for sure. So, he would, would, would you say that you patted your game after Randy Moss? I would, I would say I learned some tricks from him, for sure. Okay. Uh, the way he tracked the deep ball, same with T.O. Yeah. You know, I watched him a lot on film. Love T.O. Uh, just they dig, and they're trusting that the quarterback's going to put the ball out there. Every and that's time. something that, for sure, was a, a staple in the way I played. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get back into it. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports and Street Talk. Um, thanks for tuning back in. Um, so we was just, you know, talking about, you know, family first and um, everybody talking about their experiences. Obviously, you know, you know how they was brought up and, you know, with kids. Obviously, I don't have any kids, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I really wanted to um, dive into this COVID situation with the family now. Right. We're in this COVID situation era. 
um, where we don't even know what's going to happen next. Right. Um, Rob, you have a kid. Um, Tori, you have kids, multiple. Um, <laughs> but Tori, I wanted to talk about, you know, just the, you know, that pretty much the adaptation to this. Right. I mean, you have kids now, you know, they're talking about, you know, even kids can get this or this virus, you know, h- how are you maneuvering um, in, you know, embracing this type of challenge um, as a family? Right. How you guys are going about it day by day um, to keep you guys safe? Yeah, I try to, you know, we both leave the house now. But for the first probably three months, my kids never even stepped in the car. Mm. You know, I'd be the person that's going to the store, doing the things that we had to do. I almost felt like we were neglecting them. You know, <laughs> I'm like, man, they aren't getting anything, any sunshine outside right. of my yard, right. you know. Uh, but the reality of it is, you know, their health and what we didn't know was was very scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that I'm still very cautious in terms of where I go, how I move. Right. Uh, for their sake and also, you know, my grandma and my mom, they still live in Virginia. But my grandmother, if she was to have COVID, I believe that it would be a tough battle for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a cousin right now that's on a ventilator that's only 50 years old. So it's something that's very real, and I recognize that. So I'm just trying to be safe. Obviously, I can't control everything, but I'm trying to take the steps that are necessary. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's virtual learning going on. Right mm-hmm. now, they'll be back to school here shortly, but we decided to homeschool our kids. Uh, that's probably a luxury on our part. My wife was a former teacher, oh, that's so sad. she's already doing that anyways. And honestly, they're learning more from her than they are in school virtually learning. So, I mean, both of my kids, four, six, you know, TJ's probably on like a third grade reading level right mm-hmm. now. He has a six year old. That's and, lit. And Cam mm-hmm. is reading stuff as well now. So uh, it's it's an adjustment, but, you know, it plays into our favor in terms of forcing me to be more active and engaged with their educational right. process. And my wife being able to do that as well. So mm-hmm. while there are some challenges, it does help us and force us. And I think it really forces a lot of us to be more engaged with our kids because now we are invested <clears throat> in their education in a different way. We can't just pass it on to right. uh, the teachers like we normally nope. do. Like they're thinking, like, all right, see y'all <laughs> see, see it now. See yeah. 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 now. You know, right. we, we have to be invested in it more. For sure. I speak to that, man. My son has actually started back school and he's doing um, online learning. Uh, it's difficult. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I got a three-year-old and him trying to pay attention to a computer screen with mm-hmm. other people on it is the most challenging thing I think <laughs> I ever had to do as a parent. I mean, to the point where I got to be sitting there with dude like, come on, bro. You you got it. You right. got this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I tell him all the time, bro, focus and finish. You got to focus through this and finish. And he'll, he'll sit there and he's he's got about four classes and they change classes and they got a little schedule and he gets some downtime, some nap time and stuff like that. But it's difficult because my, my son, his attention span, he has an attention span of a net. So he'll be there, <laughs> he'll be there and then he in and out. So it's I'm like, mad, huh? man, I'm so serious, dude. You feel like you had a disadvantage having him at the house? Uh, for mine, yeah, because my son likes to be interactive with other kids. And I think by him being around other kids helps him learn better because then he can focus in that type of environment. I think with Ben, Ben at either with his mom or with me, with his mom, he always want to lay up in his mama lap, first of all. So that's terrible. And then with me, he always want to fight or wrestle or play. I'm like, dude, you got to pay attention to class. You know what I mean? So it's just a different type of situation. But I think he, you know, being at home gives him a, a certain comfort level that doesn't he doesn't have in the classroom. But we still try. I'm still, you know, teaching them after that stuff is over. We still do the, you know, certain learnings and writing and reading and stuff like that. So I'm not 
counting on that, but it's a difficult situation, though. I'd say the majority of kids Mm. suffer from virtual learning. Yeah. Mm. Like, I'm an adult, and you got about. I'm on them Zoom meetings now. Like, man, man. I got about a smooth 15, 20 minutes to tune out. Right. You know, and then the, the, short. the yeah. social aspect that we're missing out, being with their friends and engaging, that's yeah. something that is, is huge for my, one of my boys. You know, mm-hmm. him being around other kids and him learning how to navigate and how to just be himself is mm-hmm. huge. Like, you can't do that when you're just around your mom and dad all day yeah. or your auntie or your babysitter or whoever it may be. So there are a lot of things that go into it, but yeah. uh, it'll be better for a lot. Of, but there, and on the other side of that, there are some kids that are older yeah. that it's like, hey, listen, they don't do well in that social environment because of the pressure, whether yeah. it's literally how they dress going mm-hmm. to school or bullying or whatever it may be. You know, for some of them, it may be a positive, but for a three-year-old or yeah. four-year-old Four-year-olds, yeah. or a six-year-old <laughs> like my kids, it's, it's not the best situation for them. Absolutely. Do you, do you think virtual learning will affect how kids learn you think some kids learn mm-hmm. better hands-on do you think some kids learn better virtually i mean that's that's up in the air right now and it's it something that you know we don't know right it's the big unknown right i think i, I think i say a lot of people do learn you're seeing that in some places like think about let's i can i can speak to baltimore city directly so there are a lot of challenges in baltimore city when it comes to the education system and people being on grade level mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the schools that are closest to where we'll be actively involved only Less than 17% of them are on grade level right. or above. Wow. When it comes to reading wow. and writing. So that's crazy. That's a, a an alarming stat. So if it was that way, yeah. Hand in hands-on learning with teachers there, with aides there. It's gonna be way how more, is it going well, to be it if someone trying to put you in front of a computer and telling you to do it? First of all, who has computers? When you're talking about an underprivileged environment, who has computers? So now we barely got phones. You know what I mean? It's barely, it's barely iPads, no real computers. So what are we doing? They going to the library, which is still you're still putting yourself at risk mm-hmm. to go to the library mm-hmm. or wherever you have to go. These kids don't have computers. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about what if a kid doesn't financially have the means to get a computer? Now he's a whole year behind. You know what I mean? Like, how is he going to do the learning? How is he going to do the work? Now you're talking about that 17% slips down to 13, yes, 14, and they're, and they're learning. These school districts are going to have to spend more money, which most mm-hmm. of them are. Right. But check this out. So now Baltimore, let's speak to Baltimore State Director. They're mm-hmm. going to be able to give every kid a laptop now due to uh, fundraising, fundraising and groups yeah. and donations. Right. But who has internet at home? That, next thing. Right. So, like, that's right. a whole other challenge. Right. right? right. So no matter how it works, it, it doesn't benefit the kids in certain communities. And no. there's a huge advantage for kids that live in, in better neighborhoods and in better areas. And Correct. You, and you, to piggyback off what you said, now you see the internet prices dropping now for a month. It's going to have to. It's going to have to because, you know, yeah. some kids, what you said, are impoverished, right? They don't, they can't, af- some families can't afford internet. So they're going right. to have to, you know, obviously drop the price down so the kids can learn, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, something that, you know, we need to take a look at. It's multi-layer, bro. You know, it's uh, it's eye opening, actually, right? Yeah. It's very eye opening. So, I mean, we, we live in times where, you know, things are, you know, it's up in the air. Um, but the only thing we can do is move forward, um, adapt and move accordingly, as we would say, right, Rock? That's right. So with the, with the COVID going on, you think, think your kids are going to be deprived socially or something? You know, I think for my son being six, it's not that big of a deal, right? We'll have a his cousins come by sometimes, and there's two neighbors that'll come by every once in a while. 
So it's not that big. It's not that big of a deal for him. But for your high school sophomore, your high school freshman, a person that's going to be there in high school for the first time, they're not going to have that opportunity to find their new friends, to know who to hang with, right? Mm -hmm. Who they're around. That social type of environment is different. And for some parents, they may love that because they feel like they're sheltering their child. Yep. They can protect them longer. Right. But for other kids, you know, they're missing out on homecoming. They're, they're senior. Man. They're missing out on prom. Ooh. They're missing out on so many different things. So uh, it impacts everyone at a different level. Have you, have you started preparing for the future, uh, especially what we got social injustice going on and everything? Have you prepared the talk that you're going to have with your, your sons? Oh, that talk is happening already. Yeah, you know, for real. How, how, how you how you how you handling that? Just as a as a dad, my son's three. How you handling your six year old? The first time your son comes up to you, and because people like to talk about, oh, they're too young. Leave them out of that. Let them be innocent. Heck no. Well, my son has he plays around his iPad and he sees stuff on TV. So when he comes up to you and asks you who is George Floyd yeah. and why is everyone angry about it, right. that's a conversation that has that's to be had. It is. Okay. Right? And so I talked to him about that because we live in an area that the majority of the people are white. And so I feel like as a parent, your goal is to equip your child with, with knowledge and everything that they have. For right? sure. So for I don't want my child to experience racism and not know that it, it didn't exist. Right. He's going to know how to handle it how to address it, and depending on the environment, there's going to be some punches thrown or he's going to be calling me. Definitely like, straight, up. Right, straight up. Like, that's just how it is, right? Sure. But I, I don't want him to be alarmed because you have kids that they don't know what hit them. Like, and I, I still remember the first time I was called the N-word, mm, right? Yeah. And when he gets older, that conversation that happens with guns, I people look at me and they're like, oh, you're clean cut. You've never been in trouble. you never this. you never that. Well, I've had guns drawn on me three or four different times by police officers. For sure. So it's a conversation that has to be had because we've learned that it's not about what you're doing. It's not about how good of a person you are. It's not about where you live. Right. If you are black, that's the issue. No, it's, it's, the, it's issue. the issue. So so speaking of which, and I'm glad that we brought this up. So you guys saw the news recently with Jacob Blake and what happened to him. He got shot seven times in his back by uh, cops when he was unarmed, actually getting into his vehicle. And today, specifically uh, on this particular day, the NBA has actually chose to protest these particular actions and not play a game of basketball. Now, I don't know if that's going to last through the rest of the season or, you know, where we are in that process. But how do you gentlemen, I'm going to oppose this to all of you guys. How do you gentlemen feel about it with the NBA taking the first step in the sports world? Um, and how do you think that that'll trickle down amongst everybody else? Because we got an NFL season that may or may not happen. We got baseball. We got soccer. We have, you know, tennis. We have all these other sports that are that are that are about to play. So how do we feel about it as a, as a, as black men and as a culture and as a whole? I mean, when you look at it, right? I mean, let's let's just keep it one hundred here. Uh, the NBA is pre predominantly black, right? Yep. I mean, it's kind of really predominantly ran by um, African Americans. If you look at their management, you know, the president, you know. Everything in that realm of upper level management yep. is predominantly black, yep. right? It's, yep. it's the show business, right? Then when you look at the NFL, we don't know who owns it. We don't know. We know. No, we, we, we know. We know. They we, white, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say we know. White Jews. I, I don't. I don't know what the case may be. Both. But but um, you know, it's it's different. Ran now. The NFL is going to go forward with this. The NBA, you know, they're like, you know, we're we're, we're done. We're done with this. And 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 a lot of players are speaking about in the NBA. Obviously, you've seen George Hill. He was very upset uh, a couple days ago he said i don't even know why i'm here and the milwaukee bucks obviously you know boycotted the game yep. and now the the rest of the league is following it now 
after we've seen that, I mean, we look at the NFL. Now what? what what's the NFL? That's, do? I, that's what and the NFL I want to see. Made, the NFL actually made the first move. Which the move? The Detroit Lions canceled practice. Okay. Saying that, hey, we're not practicing. We want to draw attention to this. Then later, tw- less than 24 hours later, Here come the NBA. you know, the NBA said, no, if we will take it a step further. We're not playing a game, a playoff game on national TV that we know millions of people are going to watch. And what they're doing is they're forcing people to take their attention to where it should be mm-hmm. on the issues and challenges. Mm-hmm. You can't keep avoiding it. Yep. And there's always going to be this time where people want to compete and say sports and politics don't match. It's not sports and politics. It's sports and human rights. And in this country, we have players mm-hmm. who are African-American and they're talking about issues that impact them and their communities. We should have more people rallying around it. Because if you can cheer for me on Sunday to run down the field to catch a nine route, mm. You should be able to cheer and be supportive when mm. I'm telling you, you that help. we're hurting yeah. here yeah. and you can help. Because as long as we continue to pander and try to educate black people on what's going on, we aren't going anywhere. Yeah. We need to have the white white America just as invested and educate themselves as well. Because I think mm. what we've learned since Captain Neal four years ago, people have won on this education process, even black people. And there's been things that we haven't known that we learned even about your area, yep. you know, about Juneteenth and stuff. It's depending on where you live, yeah. right? That yeah. was a big deal in Texas, but I'm, I take a lot of pride in, in my black pride and what I know, yeah, and sure, I have absolutely. no clue about Juneteenth. None? So not a single, until two years ago. Give me your black card. Until two your, years ago. Pull your black card. No clue, your right? So why are we celebrating all these other days, right? Juneteenth is something that, now that I know what it is, it's an important day to me. Yeah. But it wasn't, I didn't learn about that in school. I learned oh, who the first okay. president was. Okay. I, I'm from the same area as George Washington and Robert E. Lee, yeah. Colonial Beach. Have, right? you, have you been to the spots? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know all about what it okay. Right. okay. You know what I'm saying? I, right. That's everything. That's all that's down my way. Okay. But I had no one ever told me about Juneteenth. I actually, I asked a question on Twitter probably about a year ago. The Virginia Library, the Virginia History Library hit me. Okay. Trying to like, hey, we want to help you find your roots. Because I was like, man, like as black people, unless you come straight from Nigeria and, and true African roots, like from your immediate family, yeah. we don't know where we're from. I, I envy the Irish kid or the German kid that can say, hey, my mom's from here. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I don't know anything. My mom is uh, from. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, all I know is I'm from Westmoreland County, Virginia. I know George Washington's from there. I know Robert E. Lee's from there. And my family never left, which tells me one thing. We came from slavery. Slavery. <laughs> right. so slavery. I went and they showed me stuff. They showed me things for my family when they were slaves. Mm. They showed me things. And one thing that honestly changed my perspective, I already felt this way. But one of my family members, like one of the first freed men to register to vote in Virginia. Oh, wow. And so to Last me. Last name Smith. So ball, actually ball on okay. my uh, mom's side. So to me, that was an eye opener to me. Because like I've always been very outspoken about voting and using your right because I know that they're trying to take it away from you. Yep. And people feel like, oh, well, if you vote, it doesn't matter. Da, 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 da. I'm like, no, it does matter. Right? And to see that, it's like, no. That's why. It mattered to, to your a family member yep. back in mm-hmm. in the 1800s. That's right. It better matter right now in 2020. We're talking right. about black men and women dying at the hands of un- being unarmed and dying at the hands of officers. Come so on. it should matter. Yeah, and sure. understanding that and continuing to educate myself there, man, 
Um, it's a mission that it's a life's mission. Like, and then we all have that responsibility to do more and help. And I think that sure. not just white America, but other ethnicities, right? I mean, Asians, Asians, they take our Mexicans, money. I mean, I mean, yeah. all cultures, right? I think people like look at what we go through and be like, it'll boil over. They'll be okay. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. It, 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 they'll get over it. It'll be all right. We'll go back to normal. No, we need to attack this issue now. Yeah, they listen. And yeah. I think that's why the Man. NBA needs to needs to do what they're doing. I think the NFL needs to do that as well. I think players of position of power, platform need to. They're the only ones that really can have. A, we have a voice. We have a voice. Mm-hmm. All the players the have a platform. Use it. So, and, what does a win look like? Because I think sometimes we get that's caught. A great I question. think I think sometimes that's we get caught up question. in like. You need to do this. You need to do that. What does a win look like? I think we have our own challenges within ourselves because what I think is a win. All right. So that's a perfect example. I may, I believe that everything we've had in this country in a positive way changed because of legislation. Correct. We're free. Correct. Because someone changed the law. And the law is vote. Correct. Because someone didn't, like they defeated Jim Crow. The majority of it, a lot of it still exists. Right. It's like okay, that, yeah, I, I, you know what I'm saying? So because like, it, that's because my it, view, but I can right. talk to somebody else and be like, the whole system got to go. Why are you voting? You're voting, you're aiding the well, system, right? I, I mean, but the system cre- is created. You got to either d- figure out whether you're going to be in it or not. It ain't no mm-hmm. in between. You can't, you can't say, all right, we need to demolish the system. Well, in order to demolish it, we have to use it to get to where Hello. we need to be. You know what I mean? Like, so when people say, like, I, this is the one thing that I hate about black, black people and dealing with us. <laughs> Bro, I don't, I don't, I don't do that credit stuff. What? What are you talking about? You want to elevate yourself and get to another level? You have to use the system. It's because you don't know. It's because it's, it's ignorance. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, educate yourself, but, right? But we, to go back to, correct. Educate but, yourself. It's in books. Always. It's read. Research. research. Always. Grow, grow, grow mentally. Go back. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, no you, you good. You good, family. You roll, but, baby. But, but so what I'm saying is, to go back to what you said, as far as having a solution, this is what I feel. I feel like black people, we need to get come uh, uh, come town hall meeting. Straight up. What are we talking about? What are we fighting for? Because Democrats, Republicans, I don't give a fuck if it's both of them together. Nobody has our best interest on that platform. I don't give a fuck who you vote for, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump. What we getting? I don't care. What are we getting? And it's not clear. It's and, not and, clear. And, and it hasn't a, been clear. We don't have a universal because people don't look like people don't even. We don't have a clear black agenda. People what, like, well, what is you. the black agenda? What do you What do you do for black people? Well, why don't we come with the demands? We need a demands. We need a list of what we want, right? We need a list. And I think as long as we continue to educate each other on what that looks like, again, I know what I personally think. What you want? I, I'll what say, you, Tori, I'll say you, if the they time, say what you need right now, what I you want? I speak for the people who are in marginalized communities, right? Right. Yep. You need investment there, not just investment like what they're doing in D.C. right now, where they're coming in, they're no. kicking people out, no. they're changing things up. No, invest in that neighborhood, but you still keep it so that there's affordable housing. There, Correct. So people aren't just getting pushed out. Correct. Right. Like you create new huh? job opportunities. Right. You change. You make marijuana legal. Yeah. yeah. You make marijuana legal and teach you people stop, how to sell you, it you, you legally. Fix these, you fix these laws that are locking people up. Forever, but then also you change jail from being a big time out to actually something where people can grow and be better on the inside. You you end working prisons mm-hmm. to keep people from pouring their money mm-hmm. into there and getting free labor, mm-hmm. right? Like there's so many different things that you can do because criminal justice is my major. That's where my passion was. Okay, you know I realized there's like they're taking advantage of mm-hmm. of free labor, but we if 
Y'all go read the new Jim Crow. I don't want to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We ain't got no time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Don't of, read, it's a lot don't of read the new Jim Crow. That's a lot. But of when unpack. you go and you look at what exists and how it was built and how the prisons are full now and who it impacts the most, it impacts people of color. Yes. Sir. So what happens when you're uh you get a charge right? You yeah. sell you sell weed mm-hmm. over a certain amount, and now you're, or you and now you now you've earned. The title of being a convicted felon. felon. Mm-hmm. Now, guess what? No job. You can't. You don't. You can't work <laughs> you can't in certain areas. So how are you going to move up? It's us. ten years later. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, you get your rights us. back. There's no simple system you don't. Yeah. to get your rights back. You take away people's hope. So guess what? If all I can work at is McDonald's for the next ten years, I'm gonna go sell this dope. I'm gonna go sell this dope. Right. So it's not the system isn't set up for people to really grow and change based on their environment. So if you're not changing the environment and the culture there. And investing there, then how do you expect mm-hmm. things to change long term? It's not. Yeah. And it's not going to be an easy fix. Nothing about the black community right now is an, is an easy fix because it's multi-layered mm-hmm. and everyone's experience is Correct. different. And Absolutely. I, and I, what I'll say to you or to, to, to the table, to the boardroom in this regard is I think it stems from education. It goes back to what we talked about like three or four episodes ago. If you grow up in a, a poverty situation, all you know is Section 8. Mm-hmm. And 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 um, food stamps. If I don't know anything about banks, or I don't deal with banks because I've always been taught taught banks don't are bad. Mm-hmm. You know, don't trust them mm-hmm. because they're the white man or mm-hmm. they're the system. It's a mm-hmm. systematic situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to trust it. Mm-hmm. So now I can't go get a loan to go get a crib. So now I'm stuck on Section Eight, mm-hmm. or to go get a loan. Or I can't even go get a loan for an apartment or have an apartment because I need a good credit score. Mm-hmm. But my mother put my cable, the cable bill in my name mm-hmm. when I was 13. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I mean, it, it happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But but I had to pay some things off. Yeah, I mean it's okay. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, we have to educate ourselves on going to the next step because let's just say instead of putting that cable bill in that baby's name you put a credit card in that baby name right now you take that credit card and you use that credit card to maneuver the proper way in order to get your family to the next level right you climb you take that 700 credit score from that baby and you put a couple trade lines in that baby name and you do it and you use it right and you grow, you climb progress and grow but a lot of that is stepping out of your comfort zone though but we have like, to it's new like but we have like there has to be this education but along to. with all of that man like because that we're talking about right now defunding police. Ah. Defunding police does not, not mean the answer. dismantling police. Correct. It means you're taking the money that they're spending, these huge budgets they have, and you're giving it to programs that can give people financial literacy. Correct. That can give people mental health uh, treatments, therapies, things that I know I needed. Super I important. It, Super right? important. But these are things that can help change our community because it's not just about, hey, Give money to black people and things are going to change. You can't throw money at the problem. That's what, if you can't, people need to realize that's not the only answer. Could it help? Sure. But that's not the only answer. You know, you want to know why it's not the only answer? Look at these pro leagues. And there's individuals who their lives are changed financially. And if you're not equipped to handle it, you're going to go broke. And like, that's the same thing with everything. You got to have resources, train people up. And teach them to reach their full potential because you're not trying to necessarily change people. Yep. You're trying to help them maximize the potential that they already have. To, oh, to, to, uh, great point. That's a great point. Great point. To 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 to, to uh, transition back to to family, right? I mean, when LeBron said LeBron James said the other day on TV, he was like, "We're we're scared as black people, right?" Uh, how do you guys feel about you know um, 
you know, your kids right now, like, you know, growing up in America today and what it's looking like, because obviously we see, you know, unarmed black men getting killed. Obviously, we see social injustice all across America. It's a scary time, not in the way we look at it like, oh, we don't know if this is going to be our time. But in a way we're like, how you think your kids is looking at this? Like how you guys how you guys, you know, gather this information and tell your kids of what's going on? You just got to continue to inform and educate, you know. As things go on, yeah. you got to continue to inform the kids. Don't hold nothing back. Mm-hmm. Don't don't allow the media to persuade the thoughts of the kids. Tell them exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't hold nothing back. That's the only thing you can do. And my kids are younger, but they're gonna get the real the whole way through. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's because there's no age limit. Ask Tamir Rice. Mm-hmm. Like you're not too mm-hmm. young to to know what's going on and. The one thing I do tell my kids, or I will tell my kids, is to always follow instructions because we can always get at them legally, but I can't bring you back. Right. So I want them to be, if they're mistreating you, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Don't let it, all let the it can get you all, out of jail. All, all, the, all the rights back. I taught you, all everything I taught you in terms of knowing your rights and doing the right thing, I want you to know that. I want you to use it, but there's a time where there's force being used. Just take it. We can deal with it because we can't bring you back. And there all there isn't always a cell phone around mm-hmm. to help save some of these situations That's that real. we've seen. That's just real. yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this, you know, a couple episodes ago. Just imagine how many situations without the cell phone town, like in the nineties, in the two thousands. How about Think now? About endless, endless, endless situations, right. man. Endless <laughs> situations. Man, right? It's so many so, situations. My man getting snitched with his own. He's the reason why they all locked up. If right. he didn't record because he was whatever was he was doing, anything. yeah, whatever, yeah, he, whatever he was anything. doing, right. If he didn't record, we would have known. We would have never known about that. And the crazy thing is, black folks have been saying that for years. You've been hearing us complain. Hey, the police out here getting us. They out here. They out here messing with but us. What I go back to say? Oh, they'll be all right. They'll be they'll, all right. They'll be. They'll, they'll be all right. right. Black people be good. It's 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 a situation that's not taken seriously, and we need to take a stand on it, and we're gonna have Gotta to take keep a stand. Standing. And we need to stand as a community. We need to stand as a whole, as a race, and and, and stay strong and move forward and, and fight the situation. And I think the NBA is doing the right thing, and I, I want to know what the NFL is gonna do next. We're gonna see. Um, so, what y'all think is the next step for the NBA? Oh, I mean, the season is I mean, over. You can draw. <laughs> you can draw. All they're doing is drawing awareness. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've been drawing awareness since. The sixties since forever protesting, yeah. marching. Yeah, but we got to get real change. We got to get in the system. We both got to vote. Mm-hmm. Got to vote. Got to vote, and you got to hold people accountable that you're actually voting for. Thank Understand you. the civic process, not just that you cast your vote and they complain. No, no, hold your local With local. Let persons. them know yes. what your values are yes. and force them to act on it. If not, get them up out of it. For sure, that's for sure. And we have the right and the power to do so. Well, we got them listening now. Absolutely. Well, you know what? That's going to wrap it up for um, episode six, uh, Family First with Tori Smith. We appreciate you coming on the show, man. We yeah, really do. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, a lot of people need to, you know, tune into your podcast too, Trending Thoughts. Um, go tune in, guys. Check it's, uh, out. It's, it's, it's really good. It's yeah. really good. Got to get have you a, back. We have an intellectual brother right here that's really making a change in the world. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to what you're doing next too. Yeah, um, sure, no problem. Um, also, check us out on www.sn.com stalk.net for the latest apparel that's coming out. We got our hat line coming out as well. Um, check us out the latest episodes of Winner's Mentality, um, uh, Ballin' or Naw, and Dream Killers, and as well as 
the one that we just did with Vernon, which was culture race. Culture race. So, and and that's pretty much it. So uh, tune into next time and stay tuned. Peace. 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 Peace.